How's everybody doing this morning? Father, we just thank you for this Christmas season. We thank you that we can celebrate Jesus. We thank you that he was your gift of love to this earth, to your sons and your daughters here. You sent him to rescue us, to ransom us, to pay the price that we could not pay. We thank you, Jesus, for humbling yourself as coming in the form of a servant and saying, I'm willing, I'm willing to take on all sin and all shame. I'm willing to face the cross. I'm willing to face it all so that you can be restored to fellowship. And so, Jesus, we just take this moment as we get into the busyness of the season. We just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you came. Thank you that you were willing. And would we take this time to celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, if we don't see, see you on Christmas Eve, we wish you all a very Merry Christmas and hope you guys have a great time with your families and wherever you may go. We speak blessing and safety over you if you're having to travel to other areas. And whatever you do, as Jesse already said, we're encouraging you to have an old-fashioned Christmas. What do we mean by that? Take the time to put the focus back on what the season's about. Because the world is going to continue to push the boundaries of making it about everything else that we do and all of the stuff, but there's one reason we celebrate, and it's Jesus. Amen? So have an old-fashioned Christmas this year. Well, let's jump right back into where we were. There's a few things that I want to wrap up this year of 2022 with and that were still on my heart from the series that we've been in. And we've been looking at Joshua and Caleb. And we were saying last week that Joshua and Caleb, they were a different breed from the rest of the nation of Israel. Um, amongst all of their peers, they were the only ones that were willing to stand and say, no, what God has told us is true, that the land is for us, that what he told us he had given to us, we are more than able to take that land. They were the only two people of their entire generation. Come on, that, that, that's some, there's something special about them. When everybody else was saying, no, we can't, it's not possible for us. The enemy's too big. The land is too fortified. There's too many of them against us. They, he said, there's giants in the land, and we look like grasshoppers in our own sight. Joshua and Caleb were the only ones to stand up and say, it doesn't matter what they are. It matters who he is and what he said. They were the only ones of their generation that were willing to stand. They were a different breed of people. You know, we can look to 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 10, and I believe it's verse 10, where Paul says, don't complain like those who complained and then died in the wilderness. He said, don't, don't complain like they did, and that's what the nation of Israel did. They let there be a complaint on their lips rather than a victory shout. Rather than the words that God had given to them, they chose to speak everything else but what God had said. And verse 11 in chapter 10 goes on to say, they were written down for our examples and for our admonition. And so that's speaking directly of the story of Joshua and Caleb, where everyone else chose to complain. They chose to align their words with what God had said. They, were allowed, they chose to align themselves with the victory that God had already promised them. Come on. And that made them a different breed from everybody else. And guess what happened to everybody else? You know the story. They all died in the wilderness. Who got to stand in the promised land? 
Joshua and Caleb. There's many things that people around you will not grab onto. There's many things that they will not believe, they will not receive, and they may die in the wilderness, but that shouldn't affect you. Come on. We help who we can help. There's people who just will not believe. There's people who will not align themselves with God. That shouldn't affect you. Because when you choose to believe, God always gets involved with a believer. I love what Smith Wigglesworth used to say. He said, it seems like God would pass over a million different people to get to one person standing in faith. Come on. We all have needs, right? What's the difference between someone who believes God and the one who doesn't? The one who believes God. Come on. He says, all things are possible to him who believes. So Joshua and Caleb were a different breed of people. And they were written for examples for us, for in our time. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And so this is what God said about Caleb. He said, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him. He has a different spirit in him and has followed me wholeheartedly. I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Because he had a different spirit in him. Now, God was not saying that he had some other evil spirit in him or some, some foreign spirit. It, the word that is used for spirit here is the word ruah, which can be used for spirit, but it means there's an animation in him. Come on. You know, some people are a little more animated than others. Come on. You know, you got a pastor who doesn't like to be quiet, doesn't like to just, oh, let's open up our Bibles to First Corinthians. No, I, I, there's, an, there's a passion on the inside of me. There's an animation that comes out that when we talk about the things of God, because the things of God are exciting. Come on. It's the word that you get excited about and the word that you believe is going to work for you. And so the, the word ruah there, the spirit, means there was a different animation in Caleb. There was a different vivacity. That doesn't, that doesn't describe someone who sits back and just goes with the flow. No, that describes someone who has a passion and a fire on the inside of them that says, I'm going to go ahead and take the bull by the horns, and we're going through. It describes someone who has a vigor or a courage, or a temper. Come on, sometimes you got to have a temper. And what do I mean by temper? I think the Bible says to be angry and don't sin. Sometimes we're like, oh, you can't be angry. Come on. No, no, there should be a temper that rises up. When someone says you can't do it, you go ahead and have a temper and say, I can. Come on. you got to be willing to stand up for yourself because sometimes other people won't. There's got to be a bit of a temper or an impatience. I find it interesting how the word ruah can be impatient and patient at the same time. You need to be impatient when people speak against the things of God, and you need to be patient for the promise to see it come to pass. There can be impatience and patience sitting in the same position. Come on. And so he had a different spirit on the inside of him. But the thing is, the spirit, the way that Paul describes that spirit is he calls it the spirit of faith. Come on. He calls it the spirit of faith. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, he told this to the Corinthians. He said, and since we have the same spirit of faith. Come on. The same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith available to us that they did to them. Come on. We have the same spirit of faith. 
We're not playing from a different set of rules than the examples we see in the Bible. Come on, when we look at the Apostle Paul, we look at the Apostle Peter, we look at the Apostle John, they weren't playing from a different set of rules. They were men and women of God who had been bought by the blood of Jesus. They had been purified. They'd been filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. And they went about doing good and healing just like Jesus did because God was with them. They weren't playing from a different set of rules than you. We have the same spirit of faith available to us. And Paul said, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. And so we also believe and therefore speak. We also, we follow that same example and that same admonition. What we believe that the word of God has said about us better be on our lips and not just in our head. Because it doesn't do you any good when it's just rattling around between the ears. It does some good when you do what Jesus said. If any man will say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but believe the things which he says, he shall have whatsoever things he says. The word of God does no good to you just rattling around in your mind. You need to take it from your mind, put it on your mouth, and speak it before you. Hallelujah. But Paul said, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. Which means that Paul is quoting someone here. He's quoting someone. Do you know who he was quoting? He was quoting David. And in Psalm chapter 16, to get a little backstory on what Paul was pulling from, in Psalm chapter 116 and verse 7, David says this. He says, return to your rest. O my soul, return to your rest, O my soul. He's speaking to his mind, his will, and his emotions. He's saying, calm down, you mind. Come on, we've, we, uh, you've been there where the mind is just racing out of control. The emotions are drawing you in every other direction. David speaks it out over himself, and he says, return to your rest, O my soul. I've had enough of you. You get back in position. You get back in line. Come on, sometimes you have to put yourself back in line. You need to tell yourself where you're going rather than just let every emotion and every thought take you all these different directions. No, if it's not what God has said about you, if it's not God's goodness, if it's not God's best, align yourself back to it and bring yourself under control. So he says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Come on, when you want to complain, go ahead and remember, God has dealt bountifully with me. He daily loads me with benefits. There's more than enough grace in my life right now for the season that I'm in than there is problems that I may face. There's more for me than anything that could be against for me because the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. So we put ourselves into remembrance. Come on. We put ourselves into remembrance and we remind ourselves of what is true versus what we may feel. Return to your rest, O oh my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Whew. 
Pastor Jordan, you just don't know what I'm going through. It's been such a hard time. He'll deliver you from the tears. It says, though sorrow may last for a night, joy comes in the morning. Why don't you go ahead and get at the door and open it up and say, Joy, I welcome you in. I've had my night, and I won't have another moment of it. It's the morning, and joy is coming into my house. Joy is coming into my life. Welcome it with open arms. Ooh, we forget that Jesus said by the Spirit in Revelation, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens that door, I'll come in and sit and dine with him. And we're saying, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus in these days? He's waiting at the door. Open it up and say, come on in. I invite you into my day. I invite you into this situation. Come on, I believe what you said about me. I don't let anything else dictate my vision of myself other than what you've said about me. You have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Whew. So I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Whew. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Right here, right now, because I'm alive, I might as well walk before you, Lord. Whew. And his steps are good. His paths are great. As David says in Psalm 23, that even when I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. It doesn't matter what you feel like. It's about who's with you, what he said, and who you are to him. You are his son. You are his daughter. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's not forgotten about you. No, you're not going under. You're going over if you choose to believe, if you choose to walk past with him. Amen? Amen. So I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And then we get to verse number 10. And David tells us what he's been doing for the last little bit. He says, I believed, and therefore I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. Whew, that sounds a little bit different than what Paul quoted him. Paul said, I've believed, and therefore I've spoken, so we also believe, and therefore we speak. And David tells us, I've been believing some stuff I probably shouldn't have. He's bringing himself back to that anchor of the Lord, the return to rest. Return to rest. What rest? What, why is he having to return from something? Because this is what he was believing. He said, I believed, and therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. Was that true? He may have had problems, but his God was bigger than the problems. And he says this, I said in my haste, all men are liars. David's like, I don't got anybody I can trust around me. They're all a bunch of liars. And man, I am so afflicted right now. He was speaking out his feelings rather than what was truth. God, David still had good people around him. But sometimes we choose to focus on everything that's going wrong rather than everything that's going right. And so he said, I've believed I'm greatly afflicted. I spoke it out. And I said in my haste, all men are liars. Just because he said it in a rush. And he said it while he was feeling it didn't make it true. And so he says this next. What shall I render to the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? I will take up the cup of salvation and I will call upon the name of the Lord. 
meaning I've believed some stuff in the past. I'm returning to my salvation. I'm going to draw from the wells of salvation. I'm going to draw from the provision that has been given to me, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. Whew. The thing is, David, if you want to talk about someone having a spirit of faith, David had a spirit of faith. When he showed up on the battlefield as a young boy just to deliver supplies, he saw a giant who was afflicting the nation of Israel, who was causing them to fear and to cower and to hide in their holes so that they didn't get seen because they didn't want to be seen as one who might be volunteering to face the giant. And when David saw it, he's like, what are you guys doing down in those holes? I'll fight them. 16 years old. He's out there saying, I'll fight this giant, because who are you, giant, who would stand against the armies of the living God? I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to feed you to the birds. There was a spirit of faith on the inside of him that says, who art thou that defiles the God of Israel? Who, what are you to speak ill of him? I'm going to speak the truth about him, and I'm going to put you in your place. And he ran at his giant, not with his mouth closed, but with the words of the Bible on his mouth. And he spoke what God had called the nation of Israel as he went and go ahead and swung that stone right into the face of that giant. And that giant crumbled down. He chopped off his head, and God gave them victory that day because David and all the nation of Israel, no one else would stand up, but David had a spirit of faith. David had the spirit of faith at 16, and Joshua and Caleb had it at 80. And I say that because there's no age in your life where you are disqualified. Whatever, wherever you are, however old you are, however young you are, you can be used if you choose to believe the word of God. If you choose to put it on your mouth and face your giant, you'll see it fall. Hallelujah. The problem is that too many people have their speaker hooked up to their feeler rather than their believer. Just because you're feeling something doesn't make it true. Let God be true and every else man a liar. That's what the Bible says, right? Let God be true. And so the temptation is Oh, just because I'm feeling it, I need to now talk about it. Because maybe if I tell people how big my problem is, I'll get a little bit of empathy, a little bit of sympathy, a little bit of pity. Come on, you don't need to get everybody to come and pet you on the back. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. No. What you need is to get the spirit of faith and say, I'm coming through. Just because I feel like this, it is subject to change because the Word of God has said this. You know, Solomon said this. He said, a, a short-sighted fool always loses his temper and displays his anger. But a wise man uses self-control and holds it back. What was Solomon saying? Just because I had a feeling doesn't mean that I needed to fling it out at everybody else and make it about everything about the feeling. He says a wise man uses self-control and holds it back because feelings are subject to change. You know, I remember a, a story that Jesse Duplantis was talking about. This was years ago that he heard this story. 
he was uh, doing a healing rally, and uh, he felt in his heart, he's like, if you're in a wheelchair, you need to come on up now. You're getting out of that wheelchair today. And he had four people come up in wheelchairs, and he spoke to them. He didn't even lay hands on me. He just said, the word of the Lord has already said that the people in wheelchairs are getting healed today. And he said, stand up. And the first person got up out of the wheelchair and walked. And he said to the second one, stand up, walk. And he got up, walked. Third person got up and walked. And the fourth person was sitting there, and he says, it's time to walk. And she said, I can't. And he's kind of like, did you not just see the first three get out of the wheelchair? And he said, I told you to get up. And she said, I can't. And so he's like, man, lady, you are derailing this meeting. You don't see everybody else shouting, and now you're making it about how much you can't. The word of the Lord said, you can. And he said, woman, I told you, get up and walk. And she said, I can't. He said, do it anyways. And they're getting into an argument back and forth between the two of them. And she got so mad at him that I'm telling you, I can't do it. I can't do it. That she tried to get up and run after him so she could beat him up. And so he's taken off, and she's running, and she'd been in this wheelchair a long time, but it was stuck on her butt, and she had grown into it a little bit too well. And here she's trying to chase him, and she gets a few steps, and she realized, I'm walking. I haven't done that in years. She was so focused on what she felt about her condition and what she felt she couldn't do, she didn't realize that the word of the Lord had already set her free. Feelings are subject to change. Come on. Hallelujah. We can look at David in uh, chapter 18, Psalm 18, 28. He says, for you will light my lamp, O Lord, and the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. When you just feel like you don't have that vigor, you don't have that, that fire on the inside of it, call on the name of the Lord, and it says he will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness, and for by you I can run against a troop. And by my God, I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect, and the word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who trust in him. Hallelujah. His word is proven. He is a shield to all those who have faith or have trust in him. Now, earlier this week on our midweek hunger... On Wednesday, we were in John chapter 4, looking at the nobleman's son. And if you haven't been watching The Hunger, it's on Wednesdays. It comes out at mid-afternoon. It's on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website. It's usually three to five minutes. If you can't give God three to five minutes, uh, you're probably too busy. I'll just say it. Come on. If God can't have three to five minutes in the middle of the week, you're too busy. In John chapter 4, in verse 46, it says this. So Jesus came again to the Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him, and he implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. This is something really interesting here that we should all grab hold of. The man had a need... And he heard that Jesus was in the region, and so he went out of his way to get to Jesus. He took the time. That's right, Jess. If you've got a problem, and you've not been to Jesus yet, that's a problem. That's a problem bigger than the problem that you think you're facing. 
he heard Jesus was there, and he went to him. He implored him to. When you're going through a hard time, don't isolate yourself from people. Get around someone who's going to give you a shake and say, let's go for a run together. Let's celebrate the goodness of God. Let's remind ourselves of how good he is. Come on, we don't hide ourselves. The book of Proverbs says only a fool isolates themselves. This man, when he heard Jesus had come, he went to him. And he implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. And here's what Jesus says to that. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The man just said, my son's dying. Please, please come. Please come and heal him. And Jesus says to him, unless you see a sign and a wonder, eh, you're not going to believe. You know, I've kind of discovered that a lot of Jesus' statements when dealing with individuals are statements that provoke them to faith. Think about the woman, at, uh, uh, the Syrophoenician woman that came to Jesus. And she said, heal my daughter. She's got a, a demon. We need, we need to do something about this. And Jesus said, eh, it's not good to throw the children's bread to the little dogs. Hmm. But what happened? It provoked her to faith. And she said, yes. said, that little bit's all I need, Jesus. And he said, whoa, what great faith. We look at the centurion when he came to Jesus. He says, I, I, I need, my, my servant needs to be healed. And Jesus, says, and Jesus said, okay, I'm going to come. And the man said, no, 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 it's okay. Just speak the word, and that's enough. Jesus will often say things that will provoke you to faith. And sometimes when you hear the words, you're like, ah, I don't know about that. Oh, I don't want that. Oh, I don't want to do that. It's a sign. Hmm, I'm not willing to believe. Sometimes you get irritated a little bit first. And when you get just irritated enough, sometimes you'll stand up and do something about it and say, God, I believe. <laughs> Come on. I can tell this going over like a lead balloon. But he just said to this man who said, my son's about to die. Jesus said, eh, unless I, I jump through all the hoops for you, you're, ne you're never going to believe. And you know what was did that did in that man's heart? I, I believe it. I don't need to see it. I'll believe it. And the nobleman said, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. That's not the response the man was looking for. He's saying, come, and Jesus is just saying, go away, it's done. It's done. But it says, so the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. What was the alternative? No, Jesus, I need you to come. Other alternative? Please don't help me. There was alternatives here. The man said, Jesus, come. And Jesus said, just go, it's done. And the man believed what Jesus said. And it says, and as he was going down, now his servants met him and told him, your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour of when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. And so the father knew that it was at that same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he and himself 
believed and his whole household. He got to share a testimony. Yeah, at that same time when you saw the fever break on my son, that was the moment that Jesus said, he lives, go your way. Come on, when you start dialing it back and thinking about the progression, you'll find a lot of coincidences where you chose to believe, and when you got down, you're like, when did it happen? Oh, it was back when I chose to believe, when I chose to align my faith with what the Word of God had said. Come on, you'll find lots of, when you choose to live in faith, you'll find lots of happy coincidences down the road. You know, I want to hear an interesting story from my life. It was back in... 2000, oh my goodness, uh, 2007, December 18th, I believe it was. Um, I was at the Christmas banquet when I was in school, and uh, we were having a great time. There was lots of funny things going on, skits and everything. We were having a great time, and I felt this prick in my heart. Go outside and take some time to pray for your future wife. And I was like, "Mm, that's kind of inconvenient. (laughs) But I was obedient, and I went outside. And I took like, I think it was about five minutes, I just said, I just speak life and blessing over my future spouse. God, I don't know if I've met her yet, I don't know if I haven't, whatever, but I just speak life and I speak blessing. I speak health and protection over her in the name of Jesus. That was 2007. Well, I met my wife in 2010. And we started talking about, you know, like our backgrounds and things that, you know, we'd experienced. And she started telling me about this car accident that she was in, that it was absolutely miraculous that she walked away with from alive. And we started comparing notes, and it turned out it was on the same day, about the same time, that I was had that prompting in my heart, go pray for your future wife that you don't even know yet. God doesn't need you to know the person you're praying for. You just need to believe him, speak what's on your heart, pray what he's given you to pray, and watch miracles happen. It wasn't until three years later that I found out why I was praying and why I was believing. Now, isn't that true, Tracy? Tracy knows the story. It's her daughter. You'll find lots of happy coincidences when you choose to go against what you feel and choose to believe. And choose to speak out what God has said. The spirit of faith takes what God says and believes it. It speaks it out and it acts upon it. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe. word of God is just as good on my mouth as it is on yours. Faith works just the same way for me as it does for you. We believe, we say, God, it doesn't matter what I see, it doesn't matter what I feel, what you said about me in your word, it is true. If you said to prepare for increase, I'll prepare for increase. If you said that I've been healed by your stripes, then why am I still staying in this bed? You said that you'd supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus, so I go ahead and I prepare for that increase, Lord. We have the same spirit of faith. We believe, and therefore we speak. You know, when Paul would write, it really wasn't him writing, it was him speaking, and he had a scribe who would write it down. 
Paul was the king of, king of run-on sentences and thoughts that just rolled into one other thought and on and on and on. And so what we see here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is just like a further down the progression of something that started way back in chapter 1 and in chapter 2 where Paul just went from one thought to the next and it rolled and rolled and rolled and rolled. And if we go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12, Paul says this, he's like, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me by the Lord. An opportunity arose as he came to Troas to preach. And I think it's interesting, it says, Christ's gospel. Come on. There's a lot of things that we could preach. Make sure we're preaching Christ's gospel. Pastor Robin and I were having a conversation this week about some people we know that they're preaching everything about God and politics when we're supposed to be preaching God, Christ's gospel. There's a lot of things. Go ahead and pray for your government. Speak blessing and don't curse them. But that's not the focus of our message. The focus of the message of Christ's gospel is he came and died so that you can live. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. He came to set the captives free. He came to open blinded eyes. He came to open the prison doors so that you can run out free. We preach Christ's gospel. And that's why Paul came to Troas not to preach his gospel, but to preach Christ's gospel. And a door was opened to him by the Lord. But, verse number 13, have no rest in my spirit. This is so important, and this is a little bit kind of deviation from what we've been talking so far. But he had no rest in his spirit. He listened on the inside. Something's not right. I'm not there. I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet. I have an opportunity, and I could do this. But I don't feel that it's proper for me to stay. And he said, because I didn't find my brother Titus there. But taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. It's so important. It's never been more important than it is now in your life, in what's going on in this world, that you listen on the inside and find peace. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. He'll show you things to come. He'll bring things to your remembrance. There was something on the inside of Paul's spirit that said, uh, no, we got to keep going. And we need to learn not to override that. Because you get out into places where you're not supposed to be. And so Paul, he came there with the intention of preaching Christ's gospel to them. There was opportunities for him to do that, but he had no rest in his spirit. Don't violate that peace. If it's feeling like chaos, stand back and be like, okay, God, which way is the path of peace then? I don't want to step outside where you would have me to be right now. I definitely don't want to live in chaos. And sometimes, I've said this so many times in the past, just say, I'm going to do this. How does that feel? I'm not going to do this. How does that feel? Follow the path of peace. And you can be well-intentioned about things. You start getting down a road, and you're like, it felt right when I started. And But if it starts feeling hesitant, and you start getting that check, step back. I had a friend in my first year of school in, say, 2005. Um, he was an older gentleman, had retired from the railroad, drove a really, really nice cherry red convertible Corvette, brand new. You know, he took a big retirement package payout and bought his favorite car and went to Bible school. And uh, 
the school starts in September, and as we're approaching into December where people are going back for um, school, he was sitting in the coffee house and uh, just sharing some things, and he's like, you know, I'm going to go home and see my family. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just don't feel good about it. And I said, well, follow and don't go then. He's like, nah, I got to see my family. It's Christmas. You can't make decisions for people, right? So I went home for Christmas. He went home for Christmas. And on his way home, put his Corvette under a transport truck. Died. The Holy Spirit will lead you what you should be doing and where you should not be going. And you don't know always the consequences of the other side of ignoring that check. Come on, I know this seems really different than where we started, but it's important I felt that we had to talk about this today. You don't want to override that check of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, whoa, whoa, red light. Don't do it. And you may have small consequences from time to time, but you don't know what's on the other side. He does. And that's why it's important for us to just say, all you have to Paul had no rest in his spirit. And then the next verse, which often gets quoted out of context of verse 13, where he had no rest, he says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us into triumph in Christ. He leads us into triumph. Doesn't mean you will always triumph when you do whatever you want to do. He will lead you into triumph. And through taking you through that leading and leading you into victory, it says, and through us, he diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You get to stand up and be a testimony and say, this is what God said, this is what I did, and here was his victory, his triumph. And you get to be one who diffuses the knowledge of God into every place. It says, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. You get to be the fragrance of God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And Jude says, save some by snatching them out of the very flames of hell. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you right along someone who might be living their last day. And you don't know it. You know, I remember we were out uh, street evangelizing hmm, probably 15, 16 years ago now, and I was partnered with this guy, and as we were walking past um, through, we had to cut through a cemetery to get to where we were going to see if we saw a group of people over there. As we passed by one grave, he stopped, and I was like, is everything okay? And he just kind of was quiet for a minute, and he said, this guy right here committed suicide uh, two years ago. On the day he did it, I ran into him in the post office. And something on the inside of me said, take a minute and share the love of God with him. And he said, I, I was too busy and I walked out. I don't want those on my heart. <laughs> Come on, I know that's a heavy thought. But we don't know what's on the other side of that check. Following after peace, uh, this is just not right. This is the way to go. I don't know why that's important going into this Christmas season. You guys are traveling. You're going different places. You're seeing family. 
take time to follow after Jesus. Amen? Father, we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit for us and that he does exactly what you said he does. He leads us and guides us into all truth. He shows us things to come. He brings things to our remembrance and he leads us in the path of peace. He shows us how to glorify the Father. And so we just ask that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, that our, our hearts would be quick to respond to you, that we would be sensitive to that leading, and that we wouldn't override what it is that you're putting in our hearts of what to do and what not to do. We thank you, Father, that you do know all things, and we don't. And so we choose to trust you, to believe you, to speak what you've said, and to be obedient to walk down that path that you're calling us to. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I know we started all high-flying this morning with the spirit of faith and that it seems a little bit, but sometimes we need to have a wake-up call. And I'd rather be obedient to that than not do it. And in just a moment, our word care team is going to be right up here at the front. They would love to pray with you, believe with you, agree with you, celebrate with you, whatever, whatever it is that you need. You can avail yourself of that. Pastor Robin, you're up. Oh, glory. The spirit of faith. You know, faith works by love. Amen? Um, and so I want to look at the reason for the season. Here there's a scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave. Amen. This is, a Christ, this is a Christmas verse. That he gave his only begotten son for whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting love. So God so loved he gave. And that's what we do in our tithes, with our tithes and offerings. We so, we, it's an act of love. And we're acting out that love. And you never, never give with not in faith. So that's why it's an act of love. Because faith worketh by love. Amen? You know, I got thinking about this when the whole thing started. When God said, light be, he basically said, love be. Amen? Because he wanted someone to love, someone to love him. And so he said, light be, which is love be. And every act, everything, he, every time he gave is, is an act of love. Act of love. Amen? And so we're his children. So what do children do? They emulate their, their parents, right? Amen? So let's be like Father God. Amen? And give. Hallelujah. So you can give this way. Uh, the whole thing backwards slash thing, right? And uh, nor an envelope in the, in the chair. Amen? Amen. Well, I want to say Merry Christmas to everyone, too. Amen. <laughs> so we don't see you to, when we get back. Amen. <laughs>